This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. Mike, what is up? Not much. What's up with you? Anything? Well, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. This Thursday Night Football always kind of throws the week off a little bit, uh, but a huge matchup. And normally we would go back on our Tuesday show and we would talk a little bit about the Texans game. But honestly, there is so much to look forward to right now. There was big news from the Cincinnati Bengals practice when it comes to injury news. We'll start with the positive. Um, I will say I was a little shocked. I shouldn't be because this guy played with a broken wrist towards the end of last season, which is absolutely insane. He's been one of the best free agent signings. But Trey Hendrickson returned, or not even returned, he was at practice today. Um, They didn't have a practice yesterday. They're going right now as we're recording this. When the media was there, he was stretching. He was going through the pass rush drills. Um, I'm feeling a little optimistic that Trey Hendrickson could be playing in this game. Yeah. uh, Only fitting with after how bad people freaked out about it. <clears throat> that he wouldn't even miss a single game. But, yeah, it, it seems like it could be trending that way with him going to practice. Um, do we have an official report on what he did, or is it just the report about, you know, he was there, he performed at drills? Um, so the thing is, when it comes to the media, when they're allowed to be at practice, it's really for the very first part of stretching, going through a little bit of the drills, but video evidence that he's going through the pass rush drills, going through fruit, the full stretch with the team. Um, we'll obviously get the injury update report probably in about an hour or so after we were recording this, and they'll let you know, hey, if he went full go or if he was limited. But yeah, as far as being with the uh, his group, he was he was out there doing those drills. But to be determined on his status, obviously, um, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to take his injury, and um, they do manage them well. Um, so we'll see if Trey is good to go, but he's a menace and I wouldn't be surprised if he is out there on Thursday night. Cause that's just what he's always kind of done since he's been in Cincinnati. Um, not so great news as of now, again, the game is in about 48 hours, 49 to be specific. Uh, Sam Hubbard wasn't out there. T Higgins wasn't out there. Not too surprising when it comes to T Higgins and the hamstring injury in a short week for him to be determined on his timeline. And then uh, Andre Yosibosh was not out there too, as of the, me- the media availability when they were at practice. 
Yeah. Uh, well, we mentioned it that um, T. Higgins and Sam Hubbard, short week. So you're not good on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Not to say you will not be good on Thursday, but it just makes it more likely that you may miss that game. Uh, the next couple of days, I think, will be very important for them. But right now, obviously, doesn't look good just yet. It's funny, though. It's like they weren't good for Sunday. And then they weren't good for Tuesday practice. Like, yeah. yeah. No that surprise. Goes without saying. Like, that could happen, huh? <laughs> uh, but Wednesday, I guess that's, you know, they're going to that practice reports big. If you don't practice all week, I feel like that, you know, makes it really difficult on whether you can play. But then again, short week. So, you know, weird things sometimes happen. Guys don't practice all week and they can play just something to monitor. Um, I don't really have a feeling on either one, whether they'll play or not. Mm-hmm. Weirdly that you have the feeling that Trey Hendrickson has the best shot of playing of that group. But yeah, I don't even know when Yosivas got hurt. I, I know he didn't play that much and people were thinking he was going to play a ton in that game. Yeah, hurt his knee in the game. Um, I just can't remember if it was the first half or second half for him, but unfortunately, second half didn't didn't they throw the go ball that he stopped on, or is that in the first I, half? My my, I just to be completely, right. I'm I'm losing when when he went out. I just know he did go to the sidelines. So maybe it was more towards the second half for Yoshi. Um, you know, the big thing here is, and he's obviously been in practice for the last couple of weeks. Um, he's with Joe Burrow right now. Joe is throwing to him when it comes to wide receivers. Charlie Jones, um, that's going to be something to monitor tomorrow. They have 52 men available right now, so they can activate him without releasing anyone. Um, so it really feels like they've kind of left that open spot for Charlie Jones to be activated. Um, I guess I would be a little surprised if he, I mean, I know he didn't, he wasn't activated for the game on Sunday, but you know, it seems like there has been no setbacks with him um, at practice. So I, w- I would think maybe he's activated tomorrow for the game on Thursday. Maybe. We all thought it was possible he was activated last week. Didn't happen. But um, I don't know how much wide receiver he'll play if he does get activated. I see a lot of I – th- I think he takes over the punt return duty immediately, though. Mm-hmm. And that's big. He was a really good punt returner when he was healthy. So that could help them in a game that I think we would both project to be very close. Uh, Special teams could be a key factor in whether or not the Cincinnati Bengals win this game. So we'd like to see him active. Yeah. So offensively, defensively, and, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are dealing with injuries too. Uh, We'll have a guest on later in the show to talk a little bit about what's going on in Baltimore, but this is an AFC North matchup. The last time these two teams played, the Bengals came back from behind and they fell by three points. Um, Obviously everybody knows kind of how that game ended and it really felt like it wasn't the hundred percent Joe Burrow, but felt like he was towards the finish line. Then he tweaked his calf again, not as bad. And, And about, you know, a few weeks later, Joe was back to being Joe. So, um, you know, he even mentioned that in his press conference. He didn't have his full toolbox when he played the Baltimore Ravens in week two. So obviously the atmosphere is going to be intense. It's Thursday night football. It's on the road. It's an AFC North game. The Baltimore Ravens are coming off a loss. Very strange game to the Cleveland Browns. And they fell in that one. And then the Cincinnati Bengals, they're hoping to get back in the win column because they still have a shot at their division. I know it's tough. It's the toughest division in football right now. It's crazy what these teams are doing when you look at the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, their defense, credit to their defense for the way they've been playing. But overall, you know, this if Cincinnati wants to stay in the AFC North race, 
this is an absolutely huge game and you want to get another AFC win, not only just your division win, but also they only have one right now in the AFC. And that stuff is extremely important uh, when you get down to the end in that conference play, if you want to be in the postseason. So I'm not one of those, this is a must win. The season is over. If they don't win, you definitely put yourself in a tough spot just because the AFC of the other AFC teams that are playing for wild card spots right now. Now we just saw the Houston Texans who honestly, they could have a shot to take their own division uh, the way the Jags dropped one to the 49ers on Sunday. So, you know, the AFC, I wouldn't say the AFC is tough. I just think there's a lot of teams that are in it right now. And for the Cincinnati Bengals, this is a huge matchup and one you want to get from your rival in the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I think that this isn't a must win game, but if you're looking at for just the division, it probably is because if you dropped a five and five and oh and whatever in the AFC North, oh and three, yeah, it'd yeah. be oh and three in the AFC North, five and five on the year. I mean, you technically could come back, you could finish 12 and five, and that might just win it outright. And that'll put you at three and three because that's an undefeated from here out. Uh, but you know, it becomes very unlikely that they can win the North if they lose this game. So it's not a must win game because I don't think they're a team that needs home games in the playoffs. I don't think they're a team that would struggle as a wild card team or that, you know, just throw them out. If they're a wild card team, they can't go to Miami or Baltimore or where one of these places and win a game. I think they could. And then, they only ever host one game a year, so it's not like yeah. this is, they go on the road for a lot of their playoff games. They did last year. They beat Buffalo on the road. Two years ago, they beat Kansas City, and they beat Tennessee on the road. So that, I think they can win road playoff games, but they have to make the, the, the playoffs too, and I I would like a home playoff game. That'd be cool. So I'm hoping they win this game. I think it's a not a must win, but uh, – I think it is there if you want to win the division, then then you can consider it a must win. Yeah. You know, it's it's I, I'm right there with you. It was a lot of doom and gloom after the Houston Texans game. And I get it. I think the replay of the Tyler Boyd touchdown just was on loop on my timeline. Um, there were a lot of opportunities in that game for the Cincinnati Bengals, and there were opportunities for the Houston Texans to really kind of run away with that game. Uh, but credit to the defense for for creating turnovers and then obviously, you know, let Joe Cook. He can, he can he can change this game. They have to rely on him. And, you know, I know you went back and you watched the tape about throwing downfield and just explosive plays for this offense. And, you know, yeah, they're without T. Higgins in this game. And Brian Callahan talked about it recently. And and I agree with you. I think you had a really good tweet when it talks when you talk about Brian Callahan. And we've said it on this podcast. I honestly like his honesty. Maybe sometimes he's a little too honest for people, yeah. but I love it. I absolutely love it. And you know what? He, he tells you exactly what's going on with this offense right now. And I think as fans, I can I think people can appreciate that. I know how they criticize the play calling and everything like that. But you know, they it was a little different going into this game. I, I truly believe they they probably didn't have a real firm grasp on if Jamar Chase was going to actually go on Sunday. And they were already without T. Higgins, and then Jamar could go on Sunday. So, 
you know, overall, when you think about this offense and and what they're facing in the Baltimore Ravens with, I would feel like a really tough and almost, it sounds silly to call the Baltimore Ravens underrated. I just think the AFC North has a lot of tough defenses in it, but they're a good defense, even if Marlon Humphrey, who um, wasn't at practice today, um, it does look like he might be missing this game. But overall, with their defense, um, what do you think about this matchup for the Bengals offense if they're without T. Higgins and maybe Yoshi too? Tough to feel good because they haven't done a good job against the Ravens in this year or last year uh, offensively. Um, would love for them to just come out and be able to move the ball offensively. It's a very good defense. They've done a good job against a lot of teams. Uh, and I don't think the Bengals can replicate what the Browns did scoring 31 because some of that was funky with some turnover type defensive scoring. And some of it was also... A lot of run run game, and we we've talked a lot about it. The Bengals aren't going to run the ball down the Ravens' throat. You know that's just that's not happening. They can't do that against any defense. So they got to figure out a way to move the ball through the air against this Ravens team, and they just haven't really done that the past two years. I do think there was some promising stuff towards the end of uh, the game in Week Two was that Baltimore letting up a little bit when they were up or because I don't know if I believe that, but maybe it was something that they'll be able to get to again. Um, I don't think that this Ravens defense is unbeatable. I don't think that there's something about it. That's like, yeah, you just can't move the ball against them. I watched Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense do it in the second half of that game. They have to push the ball they have to get to some of that stuff and work whatever was working. I think that's what I would think about with this matchup is can you get the ball pushed through the air down the field? And they weren't able to do that in the first half of the last game, but they were able to do it in the second half. So whatever they did in the second half, you know, make whatever was working, you know, like get back to that. Hopefully T Higgins is there because he was big in that first game. Uh, mispractice. I don't know how I'd feel like asking me today, is he going to play? I have no idea. Um, and with missing practice, that doesn't look great to start, but I think that would be huge for them. If not, got to work with what you got and they still have some playmakers. So we'll see. I don't feel great about that, but I still think on paper, they should be able to push to move the ball. They just they haven't done that the past couple of years in this matchup. You know, and you, you went back and you watched the the Texans game. For me, I was kind of questioning why they never went back to Tanner Hudson. It seemed to work on that first drive a lot for them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. This is the first game that they played the most Drew Sample. And I don't know. That, that's interesting to me because, you know, he, he has – I think they honestly played one too many snaps of him, which uh, was just basically probably shouldn't have been on the field for that that four vertical call with the seam ball to him. That uh, was a bad, 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 bad decision. And I wouldn't even say for Joe Burrow. I just think it was the wrong person to be giving. Yeah, that. yeah. And I don't even know, like, sample, like, what's he going to – that's just what he is as an athlete. Like, asking him to do that is like, eh, he can't really do that. <laughs> uh, put the ball on him, he'll catch it. But put it – up in the air like that, you know, his catch radius isn't crazy. Um, but 
I thought it was interesting because they kind of valued his blocking, but in a game where maybe you could have used the extra receiver a little bit more in this game, they only ran the ball 11 times. Uh, and I will say when Sample was on the field, they ran the ball better than when he wasn't on the field. He's a good run blocker. Did another good job in this game run blocking. But it's interesting. I, I don't know. Uh, Hudson and Hudson and Irv, they don't really give you anything as run blockers. So that's the real issue is, to me, Hudson's been the better receiver but they paid Irv, and Irv has the pedigree and whatever else, that, so they think he could get going. And there is some stuff that Hudson did that I'm like, okay, I think Irv could do that. But I also just think Hudson being that size is just big for a tight end. Like That's what you expect to be that big as a tight end. You don't expect them to be six foot two like Irv Smith is. And it's not a knock against Irv. It's just – it's tough. He's basically a wide receiver out there. So – I don't know. We'll see what happens in this one. I wouldn't be that surprised if Sample gets a lot of snaps again, just because could use the blocking in this game, I guess. And if the other guys aren't going to be great receivers, you know, at least somebody's providing value <laughs> blocking. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, speaking of blocking, just overall, when you think about that game or you go back and watch that game, it's it's so unfortunate because the trenches got owned on both sides of the ball for the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. And this offensive line, which we I feel like we've we've praised at a lot of times. I, I feel like I've praised it a lot in the last year and a half, to be completely honest with you, obviously outside of the injuries in the AFC championship game. But overall, I felt like it was OK. It was going to be one of Joe Burrow's best offensive lines that he's had in Cincinnati. But, you know. You can't, you can't, that they will not get anywhere on Thursday night if we see that again. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think the, I think the Texans have a better pass rush than the Ravens, but at the same time, they do have some guys like, mm-hmm. like an Adafi Oway, and um, you look at, oh goodness, Jadavian Clowney. I was like, which guy did they sign for one year that is outperforming what we expect again? You know, he's on the injury year. report. So that's something okay. to monitor. He's been good this year. Um, Matabike, he's also been good interior guy since that's been what's that's what's really been killing the Bengals this year. Just need better protection. I mean, when you rewatch the five punt drives, there is some stuff everywhere. Like there's some play calls that are like, okay, what are we doing here? There's some decisions passing the ball. It's like you probably could have pushed the ball instead of dumping it off to the running back here. There's also guys aren't getting open and 
a lot. The biggest one to me, those three were there, but the biggest one is pass protection was bad on those drives. That was just stood out as like nobody is really winning these blocks. And it's concerning to have pass protection of that level in a game because it's hard to win when you can't block. And that comes in the run game and the pass game. They they didn't Bengals offensive line had their worst game in weeks. And that was kind of the key matchup was who's going to win the trenches in this because it's a pretty good Texans offensive line against a pretty good Bengals defensive line. Texans offensive line won that battle. And it was a solid Texans pass rush against what was playing at a solid level Bengals offensive line. And the Texans pass rush won that battle. So you go into another week and it feels a little similar. It's like, who's going to win the trenches battle in this Ravens-Bengals game? Is it going to be the Ravens? I thought, you know, I think the Bengals have a chance that they could win it. When you hold up against the 49ers, mm-hmm. I feel like you can hold up against most teams. But can you hold up in this game? It just feels like it's not a consistent, like, yeah, they held up against the 49ers. That means they'll hold up against any team as good or, or around as good as the 49ers. Not true, but. We'll see. We'll see which Bengals offensive line shows up. And I'm a little bit concerned right now that Orlando Brown is just dealing with something Mm -hmm. because I saw too many guys be able to push him straight backwards and just no anchor on him. And it was a little there before. And I just kind of chalked that up to, yeah, he's not a technically sound pass protector, even though this hasn't been an issue before. It wasn't there. And when you're 350 pounds, I've already heard the excuses that this is somehow Frank Pollock. This is a grown 350 pound man. He needs to stop people from going through his body. He's not on the offensive line coach. He knows how to stop it. He's done it in the past. This is on the player. <laughs> That's yeah. also something with like all these vets. It's like, it's more on them than anything like protection misses and stuff. Blame the offensive line coach, the individual player, not playing up to what you're expecting. That's on that player. For- it's like, Volson, I guess, would be the one guy that's like he hasn't developed as much. Well, he's also a fourth-round pick that's 24 when he was drafted. It, it reminds me of the Buffalo Bills situation right now. Um, you know, they get rid of the OC, and it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do with your turnover problems? Um, you know, your, your quarterback can't keep turning the ball over. So um, not, not that Joe Burrow I, – I do not put both of those interceptions. No, but it's just throwing, throwing the offensive line coach away or throwing, yeah. the, in that case, the offensive coordinator away because you're just frustrated or yeah. you don't like the results that are happening right now. And it's not it's not on them. You know, like he, that offensive coordinator isn't the one throwing the ball to the other team. And yeah. in this case, the offensive line coach isn't the one out there performing below expectations. Alex Kappa – and yeah. Orlando Brown and all these guys, they just got to play better. The only guy that I think that you can look to right now, maybe you can Jonah Williams a bit if you want. I don't mm-hmm. think people will because he's actually improved. But if you look at Cordell Volson, you're like, okay, that's his one piece. Well, like that wasn't a big ball of clay for him to mold into what he wants. That was just – that's a fourth-round draft pick from North Dakota State who's 24 years old when he was drafted. That's tough. Yeah. and. I just, I, we're dealing with it all the time about like, I don't think Frank Pollock is like Bill Callahan, but I think he gets scapegoated. And I think a lot of fans have specific scapegoats on different parts of the team. Oh, like, boy. That's, that's why things aren't working. It's, you know, 
Zach Taylor is a play caller at times. And the funny one is when it's about like the ball gets you know thrown to the flat too often. Well, that's Burrow. Burrow's making that decision, guys. It's not on Taylor. Um, blame Taylor for not nothing being open sometimes, maybe. But you can also blame wide receivers for that. And then when it comes to the offensive line protection, a lot of that's on those offensive linemen individually, in my opinion, when it comes to like they missed protection pickups. Sure. You can blame the offensive line coach there. He wasn't, didn't get them prepared for that. But when it comes to a guy's just running right through you, that's on that player, especially Orlando Brown. He's a pro. He's been in the league six years. There's not something that the offensive line coach is doing that's making him let guys run through him. They paid him that money for a reason. So yeah. you got to step up. You got to, you got to step up. You're, you're, you need to protect the franchise and uh, kind of flip inside really quickly on the defensive side of the ball. You know, speaking of trenches, look, it would be huge if Trey Hendrickson is out there. Um, I do want to see more out of not, not to replace him, but I want to see more out of these guys when it comes to Joseph Asai, Miles Murphy, when you get the opportunities, Cam Sample. It's really disappointing what we've seen from Joseph Asai this season because he was going to be one of my breakout players. And I, I don't, I don't really really even trust him when he's on the field right now. And that is extremely disappointing because you take out the last play in the AFC Championship game, we should be talking about his performance and what he did in the AFC Championship game. And it really has been lost ever since. Yeah, he was really good in that game. And then obviously the last thing happened. But in that game, very good. And it was against Orlando Brown, weirdly enough. Um, now he's been the worst guy in the edge rotation. I think it's clear that Cam Sample and Miles Murphy have played better than him. And obviously Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson have played better than him. So you're still giving him snaps, just hoping like, just do what you did last year. Like bring it back. You know, like you've got that in you and it's just not there <laughs> for whatever reason. He's not winning as a pass rusher and then run defense. He was the guy on that reverse. That was the reason it went for a big game. He was supposed to be contained and boot. And he was not there. He ran down the line and the ball went the other way. He wasn't in any position to stop it. So he's been frustrating and disappointing. Yeah. Overall, on the defensive side of the ball, you want to see more out of the trench and the defensive line because it does feel like they will be without Sam Hubbard. And you got to stop the run when you look at this Baltimore Ravens offense. And then obviously, Lamar Jackson. He's a mobile quarterback. Next, we're going to talk to one of our guests and we'll get a little more from the outside when we look at the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday night. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Really short week for the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens. A huge matchup. I know a lot of NFL fans are excited about this one on Thursday night football. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to hit the road. We have a special guest from Baltimore, Rita Hubbard. How are you doing, Rita? Thank you guys for having me. It's, yes, it is a very, very short week, but uh, I guess we'll make this do what it does. <laughs> yeah. One of the biggest things right now in Cincinnati is obviously Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, T. Higgins, who can go there? Um, you know, we're at the point of the season where, you know, injuries are a thing, and it always feels like injuries are the storyline when we play the Baltimore Ravens. Um, when it comes to to the health of the team right now, how, how's everybody doing, and is there anything that's standing out? So on our end, um, it looks like Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey, if I had to guess, they won't be playing on Sunday. They're listed as day-to-day, but, um, you know, they just sustained injuries in the Browns game on Sunday. So that's problematic as well. You're losing your left tackle and your um, one of your best cornerbacks. The good thing 
on the if the Ravens look at it this way is that neither one of those guys played in the first game against Cincinnati. So that could be a thing. But they are also without Morgan Moses, who has missed a couple of weeks at right tackle. Um, it's not ideal, obviously, to have both your left tackle and your right tackle be out. So that is something that uh, we've been watching, although he's been a full participant in practice, we just have not seen him uh, make it to the field. So they're hopeful that that is going to happen as well. So aside from that, it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of injuries um, currently in terms of um, guys not being able to play on Thursday. Humphrey and um, Ronnie Stanley are the ones that I think that we have to watch out for the most, because if that's the case, they're going to have to use Pat McCarry at left tackle. Um, and again, if Morgan Moses doesn't play, they're probably going to have to use uh, a second year player, Daniel Fa'alele at right tackle. And then I'm sure Mike McDonald will use probably three safeties. If I have to guess to try to help out the cornerback situation, because there's some depth issues going there as well. If Marlon can't play. There were a few, it feels like there's a few different, uh, well, differences in what the Ravens are doing right now versus what happened week two. One of them, at least to my highlight viewing, was Keaton Mitchell. That guy didn't even play in week two, I don't think. I think it was all Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. So how, is there anything else that has changed at least, you know, personnel-wise with some names we might not recognize from that week two game, or is it mostly just, you know, they kind of made a swap at running back with Keaton Mitchell getting some carries. Yeah. So Keaton Mitchell really just got his big, you know, first game a couple of weeks ago um, against Seattle. He's been on the roster um, for a while, but I believe he was on the IR for the first couple of weeks this season. And then he came off and, and got some action there. And it's funny because he did not receive much action in the Browns game. And a lot of fans, um, question that and Harbaugh had said in his press conference okay well we could have done better he only had three carries I believe um, in that game after having the great game that he had against Seattle and he scored a touchdown as well in the Browns game so that was very interesting to see him kind of go ghost um, in that regard in, in terms of other players no, I mean, you know, Geno Stone has obviously been a guy that has played well on defense I believe he currently leads the league um, in interceptions. So that's something that really didn't transpire, obviously, in week two. Um, you're finally seeing Odell Beckham Jr. get more involved. And that's something that we really didn't get an opportunity to see back then. He just scored his second touchdown of the season in Sunday's game, but essentially is uh, the same guys. I think Mark Andrews, that was his first game back. Um, week two, so you didn't really see a whole lot of Mark Andrews action because he was still coming back from an injury, but he's been more productive in this offense as the weeks have gone on. Yeah, Mark Andrews, I think uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, anytime they think of a tight end or, or this defense trying to cover a tight end, you almost just let Mark Andrews eat. He's guaranteed to get his um, in these matchups. But one of the things that kind of stands out over the over the the beginning of the season, I know they just lost to the Cleveland Browns, but Lamar Jackson's connection with the new OC. Um, he's had an incredible year and, you know, an MVP candidate. What do you make of Lamar so far this season? Lamar has done really great uh, in terms of a lot of things. You know, he has really uh, found a way to try to stay in the pocket as long as possible probably more than I'd like to see him in some situations. Um, but I also understand the logic of, you know, he's tired of 
being perceived as just this guy that can run the ball that passes sometimes he wants to be perceived as a quarterback and so um this offense I, I think does allow it but Lamar does have a fumble problem whether it be you believe that he's the person responsible or the running back because a lot of times it's RPO situations where you know there's a uh, they're trying to pass it off and that Lamar intends to keep it and there's some miscommunication there um uh, but ultimately he he has had some fumbles in a lot of games um there's been you know some interceptions and I'm not even talking about the batted down pass that happened in the, the Browns game on Sunday, but there was another interception that he had trying to get the ball to Rashad Bateman. So the turnovers have been a thing. And I feel like potentially it would leave him out of an MVP conversation. But if he can find a way to get those tied together, you know, loose tie those loose ends when it comes to the turnovers, particularly fumbles, because interceptions isn't really his issue. It's been the fumbling that's been the issue. Then I think that we could have a more it would be a conversation of MVP that, that would have more stability to it as of right now. Who do you think out of this wide receiver group is has the best shot of having the biggest game? Not Mark Andrews. He's tight end. I'm not going to count him, but everybody else. Uh, so like, I feel like Zay Flowers yeah. felt like, you know, he was really important. Weirdly, Nelson Aguilar. I don't know if he's still doing well, but seeing him catch a touchdown. Sure. <laughs> that felt like a weird moment of just like, ah, I guess they're all just going to kill us today. Uh, but maybe he's doing well. I don't know. Um, and then Rashad Bateman, uh, first round pick. I don't know how he's done this year. And Odell obviously caught his second touchdown. So is it just a conglomerative effort? to put something together or do any of these guys separate themselves as like, that looks like the best player out of this group. I mean, I, I really feel like I, Odell still has something in the tank. I mean, you know, if, if it's a situation where they can get him in some quick slants and get the ball to him, it's, you know, he's getting separation there. He's also getting respect from his opposition. So that helps to me though. Zay flowers is the guy that um, I would be looking at. He is, really good with running routes he is so crisp with what he does he gets separation he has the hands and and you know he is a rookie but he doesn't look like a rookie I mean he's already out there making impact plays and I really feel like uh Zay is a guy that they should probably get more involved in this offense early on in the season that we saw that um Todd Munkin clearly liked Zay Flowers a lot and was trying to get the ball to him a lot and then as the weeks have gone on, he shared the, the load. But in my opinion, you got to get it to him. And I think that Rashad Bateman over time, because in the beginning of the season, he had some mental breakdowns. But as the season has gone on, he's gotten better. Him and Lamar have had better connections. So that has also been something that's been helpful as well. But Zay Flowers, man, for him to be a rookie and for him to look so polished already, I really feel like he is the X factor threat in this offense sans Mark Andrews. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that they can run the ball right now on this defense without uh, Sam Hubbard. Well, to be determined if Sam Hubbard plays in this game, but we'll flip sides. One of the things the Bengals struggled, struggled with in the Houston Texans game is their offensive line. They played one of their worst games, honestly, in the last year with all of them together. When you think of the Ravens D line up against this offensive line, how do you like that matchup? So the Ravens in terms of pass rush has been okay. You know, uh, in terms of the guys that they have up front, um, a lot of their sacks 
it's been a collective effort. 13 different players have had sacks, which means there's guys that are linebackers are getting sacks. There's cornerbacks, defensive backs, they're getting sacks. So it's a collective effort because I think that that's something that they've struggled with early on. Now, you do have a guy like Justin Matabike. He had like six straight games, I believe, with a sack. He's been playing at a phenomenal phenomenal level, but he's also up for a new contract too, right? So there's that part. He's trying to get that that payday going on, and that's been helpful. Two people that, uh, you know, have really been something to talk about with this Ravens team are two guys that weren't on the roster last year, which is Kyle Van Noy, who essentially just came off the street. And I think he already has five sacks for this team because he didn't even start the season, you know, with the Ravens. He came he in after Nafe away came in. But then also you have Jadavion Clowney, who's also played very well, obviously coming from Cleveland as well. So, you know, for them to have the experienced guys being the ones that are the the concerns that the Bengals have at the pass rush kind of says a lot about the what I consider to be a weak part of this Ravens team, which is to me, they don't get a ton of pressure with the guys up front, but there are other guys that make up for that. Yeah. yeah. When you look at the linebacker room. That's what scares me uh, with this Baltimore Ravens defense. I think it's it sounds silly. I was telling Mike before you got on here, it feels like an underrated group that they don't get enough credit just because the AFC North is loaded with good defensive talent. But the Baltimore yep. Ravens, every time they play the Cincinnati Bengals, I honestly think it's going to be a low-scoring game, to be completely honest with you. And it's just going to be a slugfest, what it always is with these two teams. Over the last few matchups, it's been two points. It's been three points. You obviously had the regular season ending, then the playoff game. Um, no, I'm expecting a good matchup, but Mike, do you have any more before we get a little prediction from Rita? No, I just, it's Kyle Van Noy. I was like, yeah, I think he got signed after week two and he's just had five yep. sacks in that period. So that's definitely a name to watch. Um, and then Gino Stone, obviously he's continued. That game was his first game and he had the big pick. So it seems like he's continued that. That wasn't just like a one-off game. Um, and I don't know. I feel like there's no coach that can just get the most out of like random guys either off the street or off the back of the bench than John Harbaugh. Just seems like they're always dealing with injuries. And it's like, who are these corners? And then it's like, oh, you know what? They're they're playing really well. So <laughs> uh, good good for them. Um, any areas of concern that you have with this Ravens defense? I mean, they've they've won the matchup against this Bengals offense the past few years. Yeah, um, my concern is definitely the um, run defense. Um, I've seen some concerns. Last week in the Cleveland game, Ford had a good outing. Kareem Hunt was able to get some push. Even Deshaun Watson was moving the ball around um, with his legs. Uh, in the Arizona game, a couple of weeks before that, it was a kid that I'd never even heard of before. Don't ask me his name because I don't remember. But um, this kid was 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 really you know doing well. Um, in that game as well. So uh, their run defense is something to watch. And Joe Mixon, obviously, for the Bengals, is, is a phenomenal running back. I mean, he can do it all. He can run. He can pass, He can catch the passes in the backfield. And it's just something that's a concern um, in terms of him just getting between the tackles because he is an elusive back. So that is the matchup that, obviously, you know, you got to still be concerned about Jamar Chase and, and Tyler Boyd and such, and even Irwin that they utilized a lot on Sunday's game. But for me, that run defense, because I've seen them be vulnerable in certain spots, Joe Mixon for me is, is my biggest concern. 
Rita needs to remind Bengals fans Trent Nerwin plays on the team because they get they get excited about those rookies. But yes, Trent Nerwin is someone who has stepped up this season. Um, but overall, I mean, we're gonna have you on here. We the AFC North is absolutely wild right now. Um, it really feels like it's gonna be a fun finish for all of these teams. Uh, but for the Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, Thursday night football, huge matchup. Give me your prediction. What's gonna happen? First of all, I want to apologize that my cat likes I to love have. It. Um, she loves to have FaceTime and she does this every time we do our podcast. So I apologize, guys, that my cat wants to have a cameo. Performance. We love it. Yeah. We love it. Um, you know, I'm with you on this. Listen, I go back and forth about this. My partner, Cordell, from Winning Drive, uh, picked the Bengals. And I felt like, well, he picked the Bengals. Somebody got to pick the Ravens. So I did. And obviously, we both picked them to be close games. You know, Cordell really feels like, you know, the Bengals, because they're currently, which to me means nothing at the moment, but I get it currently at the bottom of the division, they have, they, they're pressing and they're going to be pressing and they're going to be fighting to, you know, try to get back. Although, I mean, all five teams right now currently would be in the, play, excuse me, four would be in the playoffs if, you know, the season ended today. So I understand the logic behind that. Um, and he's right that, you know, they probably will be like, we can't afford to lose another AFC conference game when you start looking at the playoff picture um so he picked the he picked the Bengals I uh picked the Ravens only mainly because I feel like if Hubbard doesn't play if Hendrickson doesn't play I always feel like Tyler Boyd is the guy that goes off because T Higgins and Jamar Chase are the factors that everyone cares about so Tyler Boyd is always the x factor well if Tyler Boyd is the number two then it's like well I'm concerned about who's the person that the Ravens feel like that they have to be concerned um, for. So I'm with you. I do think it's going to be a close game. I think it'll come down to a field goal, but I think that um, the Ravens will find a way to win. And again, my partner Cordell said that the Bengals will win. So <laughs> we're, we're different. We're on different ends of it, but we both think there's going to be a close game. Uh, we both think both teams are going to be pressing to try to find a win because both teams lost on Sunday. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I it's always that field goal walk off. I just I I don't want I don't want Tucker to get so close. I mean, it could be they could be sixty yards out, and I'm like, he's gonna hit the walk off, no doubt. There it is. Now the one thing, the good thing about this for for the Bengals, not for the Ravens, is that Tucker has struggled um, post fifty yard field goals this season. And 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 while I'm not ready to have a conversation about this yet, because some of it has been holds, you know, in the snaps, um, it's something to look at. So if the Ravens are in a position to try to win it with a field goal and it's 50 plus yards. I'm just saying that there's a chance it might not happen. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I'm going, I always go 23 to 20 when I'm like, it's going to be a close game. It's probably going to be a field goal and it feels like a safe score. So that's what it'll go. And I'll, I, it's a Cincinnati podcast. So I'll probably take Cincinnati, but would I be surprised if they drop this game? Not at all. Honestly, it's going to be two tough teams who two talented teams. Um, I know that, you know, the record doesn't show for the Cincinnati Bengals, but I would put Baltimore and Cincinnati right there at the at the very top of the AFC North um, because they are just two talented, fun teams, and, and they have their quarterback, um, and that is the biggest thing in the NFL right now. But, uh, Mike, what's your quick prediction? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to run the ball well enough to take advantage of this. So uh, I'm going 21-20 Ravens. I think I should – I mean – I think some people are excited for like, oh, two of the best teams. It's gonna be a shootout. But I think we're all going like, nope. never happens that way. North football, you know, <laughs> it's gonna be, it's 
gonna be a knockout drag out type matchup i think so could go either way i just hubbard possibly being out it's a big one too because i feel like he usually plays well in this game and he's been important yep for 